Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to News You Can Use, a Pennsylvania uh, Stands Up podcast. This is a podcast about Pennsylvania, people, power, politics, and I'm your host, Pele Erging Layden, and I got a new microphone and I'm seeing how the P's sound. Let us know. Um, I use he, him. I'm the organizing director at PA Stands Up. And we have a great show in store today. Um, in just a little bit, we're going to be talking with our special guest, Burke's Stands Up member and leader, Dina Stout. And we'll get to Dina in just a little bit. But first, to get us started today, I want to invite on uh, one of the greatest people I know at PA Stands Up, our director of narrative and communications, our producer of the podcast, Dr. Ashley Strange. Dr. Strange, how many pieces of bread do you use when you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Oh, I'm going to have to say six. It's a, it's a <laughs> solid six because you got to have two triple-decker peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Wow. Wow. I was I thought the options were two or three, but you said six. So you heard it here well, first. Well, and it's... It, it is still Passover as we're recording this. So for you, the option is is limited. For me, the option is how many pieces of matzah before I start to cut the inside of my mouth can I consume? We don't know. We're going to find out, perhaps tomorrow. Anyway, um, Ash, it is, it's good to see you again. You know, we were here together two weeks ago, and um, we were talking about Jeffs, right? We, we were talking about people named Jeff, um, people in Pennsylvania named Jeff who, got to be honest, aren't like showing up the greatest right now. Um, you know, maybe could use a little bit of feedback, but uh, we wanted to to check back in on, on our Jeffs. You know, they might as well at this point switch the spelling of their name to the G-E-O-F-F because those are the those are the Jeffs that I really can't stand. But uh, in this case, it's it's Jeff Brown, uh, who in in the last mayoral debate and how many people are in this may in this Philly mayoral race? Ninety ninety two or something. Yeah, something like ninety two. Last night, Fox twenty nine, the local local Fox had a debate that featured seven candidates. They called them the seven most active mayoral candidates um, running in the race. Right. Okay. Well, if you check my Apple Watch, I would not be in line with any of those because I've been sitting in this chair for days on end. But even the most active of candidates can be actively doing illegal stuff, I guess. Yeah. It turns out active can be like actively bad. Uh, it's really interesting. So, um, so yeah. So Jeff Brown, right, mayoral candidate in Philadelphia, um, he has been getting himself into a lot of trouble just in the past two or three weeks. You know, last last time we talked, we mentioned how how uh, Jeff Brown put out a poll that he paid for that said that he was in the lead for the mayor's race and just how how convenient that is. Um, and uh, what we have learned this week are two things that I want to talk about. One is that. Um, the Philadelphia Board of Ethics, the, the entity responsible for making sure that the people running their campaign are running their campaigns fairly uh, and, and doing it by, by the law, by the book, um, they have sued the super PAC that is supporting Jeff Brown, alleging that they have been colluding for the, the duration of this campaign. 
the the super PAC, I believe it's called a greater Philadelphia uh, or something like that. Philadelphia for a greater future. You know, one of those one of those things. Um, the greatest American hero, Philadelphia. Jeff exactly. Brown. You exactly. will find another poll that that he's written that says that. <laughs> so this super PAC raised over three million dollars this year. They've already spent two million. And by law, they are not allowed to coordinate with Jeff Brown by law. But in the Board of Ethics report, there are these things that say, come to a dinner with Jeff Brown. And you know what the cost to attend that dinner was? $100,000 a plate. $100,000 a plate. You know, uh, it is at places like that that I usually get sticky fingers around the plates. Uh, and then I have a whole new set of dishware uh, at my house because I could never actually afford to, <laughs> to go to one of those. Yeah, like how many chicken tenders can a person fit in their pockets to be worth $100,000? That's why they go, right, for the chicken tenders. Um, and for me, I, I don't know. That's probably over a million, and I, I just don't have that many pockets. Um, you got you to gotta wear cargo pants to these things. Let, let me right. get the nation into, into cargo pants, and then, and then everyone starts attending these, these functions, uh, and, and there goes the shrimp. Right. So um, this other thing came out about Jeff Brown that is related to this, which is that a Philadelphia sports team donated $250,000 to that pack. And uh, they were kind of shady about who the sports team was. They said it wasn't the Philadelphia Eagles. It wasn't the Philadelphia Flyers. It wasn't uh, the Philadelphia Union, the soccer team. But it was somebody else. And funny enough, the Philadelphia 76ers are trying to build a stadium in Chinatown in, in, in Philadelphia, right? They're trying to build this stadium. The residents of Chinatown do not want it, but the Sixers are trying to build this new stadium. And who happens to be a vocal supporter of that project? Jeff Brown. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Now, the 76ers are named after the year 1976, right? Which is when the platypus was discovered. Um, actually named after the well-known um, question that you see a lot on on um, the LSAT and other things of um, why was six afraid of seven? Got it. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, uh, like when it comes to looking at where all this money is being spent and who is like, who is paying who, like it gets exhausting just... Huh. It gets exhausting just looking at all these rich people and where this money is going when it could be going into chicken tenders for me. Exactly. And the last thing we'll say about about Jeff Brown, then we really need to move on, is there was this debate last night and uh, Jeff Brown got a question about um, what what he would do about uh, Philadelphia's garbage. Right now, Philadelphia sends a large amount of its garbage to Chester, to Chester County, the neighboring county. And... Uh, asked how he would handle that, Jeff Brown said that he would continue to send Philly garbage to Chester because, in his words, Chester is Chester. And what is Chester? Chester um, is a city, a county that neighbors Philadelphia um, that is a a vibrant, rich community that is very diverse. Chester, at this point, is 72% black. And so mm. you have you have a white wealthy mayoral candidate being mm-hmm. like, yeah, we'll dump the trash in Chester. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, I'd like to dump him in Chester, but until then, <laughs> until then, I, I guess we'll just uh, we'll just keep voting for Helen Gim and uh, and hopefully she knocks him out of the way. 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And so we're going to move on in a minute, but we just need to check in on our other Jeff, um, Jeffrey Yass, right? We talked about Jeffrey Yass last time, um, the the private school, anti-worker, anti-democracy, billionaire influencing Pennsylvania politics. And Jeff, uh, Jeff got a little bit of recognition last week because uh, Forbes put out the the magazine, they put out their list of the 50 richest people in the world. And guess who made the list sliding in just at number 48? Is it our me? boy Jeff. Oh, oh Dr. Doc, Strange. I'm sorry. Not this year. Not this year. Yeah, we're, we'll, we'll have to try again next year. But uh, Jeffrey Yass coming in as the 48th richest person in the world living in Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, we talked about this last time about, you know, can we get some of that money, Jeff? But the thing that I wanted to point out today is that when the campaign finance reports came out last week, um, it showed that Jeffrey S. had donated $3 million to his charter fund uh, called Excellent Schools PA. And then that PAC, that entity, uh, funneled $2 million of those dollars to the Children's Choice Fund. And it was just a an interesting example, right? You see people raising money from small dollar donors, $50 here, $100 there. And then Jeffrey S. just low-key drops $3 million into his political entities to, um, to support candidates that want to privatize our schools, want to hurt our unions, want to hurt our democracy. And it just really frustrates me that rich people can do this shit, that they can just throw $3 million into their entities and be like, all right, just another Tuesday. Um, that's Jeff for you, though, number 48 on the Forbes richest in the world. I think that when it comes to having so much money, uh, the thing that irks me the most about this is that he labeled his foundation something that sounds so much like the Kids' Choice Awards, uh, but is actually uh, no such thing. I, I don't think there's any green slime. Uh, but who knows? If we raise enough of our own money and support our own candidates, uh, maybe we will get our own slime time. Maybe we will get our own slime time. The thing that I am pretty pleased to see is that um, the candidates that took Jeffrey Yass money before aren't taking it this time because of the work that we've done and other people that are part of the payback table, people against billionaires, Yass, and corporations. Uh, we have made it so he, the Democratic Party can't really take his money directly. It has to be funneled through lots of different sources. Um, and and that that is promising. That is promising. And $3 million of green slime is probably enough, but we don't know. We'll have to find out. One day we will. All right. Well, Dr. Strange, you know, we're going to have to keep following this Jeff story, see what happens, and uh, maybe maybe expand beyond that at some point, at some point. But I um, want to thank you for joining me for the first part of our show today, and we will see you later. See ya. All right. So I'm so excited to introduce our next guest. We have Dina Stout on the program. Dina is a member leader of, in our chapter, Burke Stands Up is a founding troublemaker at the Kutztown University Activists, and now is a legislative assistant in Harrisburg. Dina, welcome to News You Can Use. How are you doing today? Hey, Pele, I'm doing really great. How are you? I am just wonderful. It's a beautiful day, and I get to be on this podcast with some wonderful people. So before we get into it, I want to hear all about the great work you've been doing in Burke's um, 
But before that, can you tell us your story? Tell us how you got involved in organizing to begin with? Yeah, so it really started out with when I was younger, I was homeless for four years. And so a lot of the time, it was me jumping from home to home to home to home, no housing instability, uh, no housing stability, excuse me, at all. Um, I lived in about like 20, 25 different places from the age of, from when I was born to the age of four. And so when I see children suffer from the same things that I did with homelessness, it makes me push harder for better legislation, for better um, betterness of our communities, uh, for our children, and for all people. And so really, that's what really kicked me off into wanting to organize. So I started out doing a lot of organizing around housing. Um, and then I was organizing with Leah Valley Stands Up. And then I moved to Berks County. So I figured I'd get part of Berks Stands Up. And now I'm here. Ooh, we're going to have to talk about that later. <laughs> Moving from Lehigh Valley stands up to Burke stands up. I hope Lehigh Valley stands up is okay. Um, I hope they are. Dina, thank you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're, they're, they're thriving. Um, Dina, thank you for sharing your story. I mean, moving, you said 20 to 25 times in the first five years of your life. You know, I don't know if you can remember what you felt when you were that young, but do you have any like feelings like what, what impact did that have on you, you know, having such housing instability? It made me feel hopeless. It made me feel like things aren't going to get better, that I'm just going to be stuck in this repetitive cycle that my um, my mom and my dad were in as they were also homeless uh, when they were younger, too. And so it really makes you question a lot of the things that um, have happened to you. It makes you question, you know, will things actually get better? Um, will things actually change? And so coming around, I know I'm jumping the gun, <laughs> uh, but talking about whole home repairs finally gives me hope that there's actually a chance for people to have better housing accommodations um, and to be able to actually live in sustainably um, and economically friendly homes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, spoiler, things are getting better very slowly, <laughs> but they are. Um, but yeah, I really just want to honor the the what you said of the feelings of hopelessness and that things aren't going to get better. You know, I think that whether it's related to housing or to wages or to the climate, you know, so many people in our communities feel that way because of things that they have struggled with, you know, like like the story that you're sharing. So thank you. Thank you for lifting up your story so that other people can connect with it. I'm sure people listening have felt some of those same feelings. Um but as you hinted at, things are happening. So let's let's talk about it. So you're a leader of Burke Stands Up housing team, right? The Burke Stands Up has a has a housing team that focuses on housing work. Can you tell us a little bit about that team and and why you decided to become the leader of the housing team? Ooh, good question. <laughs> We're working on a lot right now. We're working on tenant education rights. We're working on um, calling out slumlords. We're working on um, spreading information about whole home repairs, um, possible deep canvas uh, in the summertime kind of like vibes. So we got like a lot going on in the spread of things. But the main things that we're really working on right now are um, talking about whole home repair and its importance and why we need to um, 
get three uh, 300 million into the permanent funding for whole home repair. And that's like the biggest thing that we're working on right now. Why I decided to become the leader, um, you know, I really, I don't know. I, I think it was just like, I, I was building up so much power, so much self-interest around housing that it only made sense for me at the time that I was just a member, um, not a member leader. Um, and then when uh, Celine asked me to become the leader of the housing team, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> I was very intimidated by the idea because it, it holds a lot of power and it holds a lot of, um, I don't want to say position, but for a better term of words, position in terms of what we're doing with the housing team and where it needs to go, it needed direction. And so um, I think that I was able to help provide that direction um, just because of the work I've done with my own housing experience. Yeah, yeah. I love I love that story because most people, you know, it sounds like you yourself also felt this way, like don't think of themselves as leaders. Don't think of themselves as someone who can be in charge. And then your local organizer, Celine, made an ask of you and you did the brave old thing of saying yes and now, now look at you building power in Berks. Um, I do want to ask, you know, um, why is it important to you to build power where you live, right? You're organizing in Berks, in the place where you're living. Um, why is that important to you? It's hard when you see people suffering in the ways that you've suffered or um, even in different ways, because everybody suffers through something, whether that be housing, it be economical, it be like, like if you can't afford your rent versus like medication because you have to pay for your medication, like things like that, like everybody has a story. And so when we meet these people, when we get to know these people that come into the organization or even like when we deep canvas in our neighborhoods um, and just talk to the people, we, we really get to understand the, the deeper emotional strain that they have because of so many things that have happened to them. And so I really just want to, I really want to highlight, you know, we need better jobs. We need better communities. And I really want to see that for not just Reading, but the entirety of Berks. And so that's why I've been doing a lot of the work, even outside of just Reading, trying to make sure that all of Berks County has um, a safe place to live and, you know, are able to afford the things that they need to afford. Absolutely. Yeah, I I really like sharing our stories, sharing our struggles. I, I really resonate with that. Um, so let's get into whole home repairs a little bit. We've, 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 we've talked about it a few times already. Um, last week, I talked about whole home repairs. Um, it is a campaign that we won, right? Winning is awesome. We love winning. Um, that we won this campaign last year. We worked with Senator Nikhil Saval's office to pass a bill that creates a $125 million fund for home repairs, right? For people to get up to $50,000 from the state to, to repair their homes. It's not a loan, it's a grant. They don't have to pay it back. And um, we have found, you know, the, the program now is just getting started. The money's getting sent to the counties. And what we are finding already 
is that it is an incredibly popular program. And that while $125 million is a lot of money, uh, it's actually not nearly enough to meet the need to fix the housing that we need to in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has the oldest housing stock in the country, and $125 million doesn't cut it. So we're, we're coming back for round two. Um, and before we get into what's happening this time, I just want to ask, can you, um, you, you, you talked about how hearing about the whole home repairs program gave you hope, you know, made you feel like something might get better. Can you tell, tell us about when you heard about it, what that was like, and, and what it was like last year to do this campaign? When I first heard about whole home repairs, I felt a huge sigh of relief. Um, just because the program brings about not only helping homeowners, but tenants as well. It combines that to make it just so much more powerful because there's groups out there that, you know, fix homes and stuff like that, but they can't necessarily fix apartments or stuff like that because they need the, um, okay, from a landlord. So now there's a system in place that we have for whole home repairs where tenants can actually report to a third party to be able to fix their um, their needs in their home. And so right now in Berks County, I mean, we are the third in the state for the highest lead retention rate. Um, I mean, we have tons of historic homes. So I, I just feel like when I first heard about the, the program, there was a huge sense of relief. And so, um, and then to get into your next question, um, campaigning around whole home repairs has been amazing. I mean, the people. Yeah, let me let me let me ask you a more appointed question about that. Oh. Um, so la- last year, and I, this might have been when we first met. We maybe met before this. Who knows? Um, but last year, right, we did this week of action to launch the campaign, and Senator Saval came came to our regions where we operate to to talk about this program, and they came to Reading, and and you spoke at that event in Reading at that press conference. Um, and then you came to Harrisburg a month later to to rally and lobby our legislators, and then we won. And then we won the campaign. We passed the bill. We got the hundred twenty five million dollars. Can you share how that experience impacted you? What you learned? How it felt to go through that experience? When you're talking about us winning the campaign, it gives me chills because. It, it finally gives a sense of relief to the people in our communities that have been struggling for so long with housing repairs or housing instability or just not sustainable housing at all. Um, diminished housing like is really bad in Reading especially. And so my thing is when we won, I literally cried in the car for a solid 15 minutes because I just, I was just so ecstatic with joy, with hope, because now we can finally have that sense of hope for things to get better because we're having legislators pass legislation that's actually working for the people. And so that's really how I felt. Yeah. You know, we try so hard to elect good people to do good things. And when it actually happens, not not much else you can do except for cry about it. I certainly cried about it too. Um, and so and so we won. We won that 125 mil. You know, it's not enough. And like you said, we're coming back this year and we're asking for 300 million dollars. And um, something that we talked about uh, on the last episode is 
uh, something that's a little bit different this time is that we have support for the whole home repairs program from people who we didn't have last time, right? When, um, when the governor gave his budget address, he said, I am committed to recurring funding for the whole home repairs program. Shortly after that, the Pennsylvania House Democrats uh, put out a statement saying that they support recurring funding for the whole home repairs program. So it's we're not just like a bunch of kids trying to you know have this big bright idea to get it done. Like we have the support of the governor, of the House Democrats who are the majority, and we're coming back to get more money. Um, how does it feel this time around to have that support going into round two? It's empowering because now as as the people we're working to help with legislators to build this program up from the ground up, one. And two, we're also demanding more money because it's a program that really helps the people out. And so you need money to fund into the program in order for it to execute and work really well. And 125 is not enough. 125 million is not enough money to do that. 300 million uh, and even maybe more in the future. Who, who knows? Um, and so that's really how, you know, I feel about that. And I'm really excited for it. Awesome. Awesome. And um, you're going to be in a part of some of these events coming up. If, you know, I know that uh, we're, you know, we're doing round two next week. We're doing this week of action. Senator Saval's coming back. He's coming back to Berks. We're going to Lehigh. We're going to Lancaster. We're going to Pittsburgh. Um, and then we're going to Harrisburg for a big rally. Um, if listeners want to meet the real Dina in person, can they can they catch you at any of these events? Any of these events coming up? Yeah, you can catch me um, on April seventeenth, this upcoming Monday, for the um, Day of Action in Berks at Reading City Hall at three. Uh, excuse me, at four p.m. Awesome, awesome! You heard it. Monday in Berks, and Tuesday we're going to be in Lehigh, Thursday in Pittsburgh, and Friday in Lancaster. Uh, you can go to our website, pastandsup.org. You can go onto our Mobilize, um, where we have all of our events where we can sign up. Dina, before you go, uh, I understand that you you just got this new job, this new role. You're going to be a legislative assistant in Harrisburg, right? The, the, the big bad organizer on the outside is going to the inside. And my question for you, Dina, is do you have the passcode for the nice bathroom? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Well, we'll 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 have to have you back in a few months after you've uh, you've settled into the position. You can give us the secret passcode and tell us what we need to do on the outside to make change on the inside. Dina, thank you so much for being here. We'll see you in Berks next week. We're gonna get it done. We're gonna win. And thank you for all your incredible work with Berks Stands Up. Thank you for having me. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed our show today. Please follow us. Please share it with your friends. Share it with your enemies. Share it with your confidants, your family, your friends. And be sure to come back in two weeks where we will have an endorsed candidate from one of our chapters. Until then, this is your host, Pele Ergang Leiden. And don't forget, Pennsylvania is for all of us. We'll see you in the streets.